<laughs> I'm Anne. Um, I'm going to do the scripture reading for today from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know, know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ian. Okay. Well, good afternoon, well family. Good afternoon, well family. Thank you, thank you. All right. Well, hey, for those of you that I don't know, uh, my name is Adam, and I do have some banana on my shirt because that was my little girl. Um, and yes, uh, I get to preach on the Holy Spirit and then leave for two months to North Africa and the Middle East. So if you have any beef with this sermon, feel free to send it, because I'm not going to look at it. <laughs> um, it is great to be with you in this series, and I'm personally really excited to be talking about being empowered by the Spirit of God, and I hope you are too. But I recognize that we all came into this series with different expectations. Some of you were like, hey man, it's time. They're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. It's about time. We're going to have some fun in this place. And then some others of you got real nervous and you were like, oh man, our church that I love so much, they're about to get weird and start doing weird things up in there. And some of you are just like, meh, like I'm just trying to show up Sunday afternoon, get to CG if I'm lucky, okay? And you got five kids and you're trying to figure out life. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that God actually wants to speak to you. The Holy Spirit the Spirit of the living God wants to speak to each one of us today. And if you haven't been with us in this series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to really the first three weeks so far. The first two weeks, Tori talked about really some misconceptions we have around the Holy Spirit. Some things that can be a little bit strange to us or different and that we need to understand who the Spirit of God is. And then we also talked about roles that the Spirit has in our lives and how we interact with the Spirit of God. And then last week, Travis, our church plant resident, just knocked it out of the park, talking about really the fruits of the Spirit. Where's Travis at? Give it up for Travis back there. Thank you, Travis. It was great. So I want to throw kind of our definition and this distinctive we have of the Spirit up there and just highlight a few things as we jump in this afternoon. So we want to be Spirit-empowered. We recognize we are empowered by the Spirit and guided by the Word. And so this week, we're going to focus on being empowered for witness in ministry and recognizing that the Spirit equips us with spiritual gifts. And so I want to put that in front of you as we start this, this afternoon. But as we dive in, I really want to encourage you to focus on the Holy Spirit and not just on the gifts. Uh, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts for the common good. And we see a lot about God's character in that. But our gifts are not just for us, but they're for others. They're for building up the body or edifying the body. We'll get into that a lot later today, but let's focus on the giver of the gifts more than the gifts. 
So often we focus on what we can see and what we can touch and feel and what we're thinking is most important. It's kind of like on Christmas Day if you run to the tree and try to grab presents and you totally ignore your family. Anybody ever done that? Of course, right? We do the same thing with God. We run right by the one who gave us the gifts to run to the gifts so that we can play and figure things out instead of understanding that these gifts are meant for our good and building us up. I recognize, though, we as a church family are bringing in all sorts of different backgrounds. All sorts of different backgrounds. I love that about our church. I hear it almost every week of somebody from a different denomination, a different culture, a different something that they're bringing into the well, which makes the well a beautiful place and really a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. Some of you might have grown up in churches where people just stood up and started saying whatever they wanted to. Some of you grew up in churches or maybe you've been to a church in college because you like tested out charismatic stuff in college and they were like running around with flags and stuff like that. Some of you grew up with robes in the church or maybe candles were lit everywhere. Or there's just one person walking with a candle down the aisle and you still don't know why that happened. Or maybe it had like windows like this over here at Westover. And some of you Aggies probably grew up in this church, let's be honest, okay? It's probably a little bit in the burbs. You have these windows that raise up during the second part of the service because we're going to let the glory of the Lord in. Anybody have that church? I know I wasn't the only one. We're bringing in a lot in here today. In fact, some of you might have had strange experiences with the Holy Spirit. I've seen some stuff. I'll just leave it at that, and we'll get into more. But, man, the Spirit of God is not weird. And as we walk into these topics, these next two weeks in particular, I want to just encourage you, the Spirit of God is not strange or weird. It might be new as he's revealing something to you about himself. But in all seriousness, I want to address also the feelings that you might have around the gifts of the Spirit. There could be hurt, shame, confusion. Maybe you feel inadequate when we're talking about spiritual gifts. You think, I can do other things, but if it becomes a spiritual thing, I don't know if I can really do that. Maybe you've experienced spiritual abuse, where people maybe had a legitimate gift, legitimate blessing from the Lord, and they manipulated that and turned that for themselves. They're pursuing self-glory in that which we're all guilty of in different ways, but maybe you've been wounded and hurt by that. And so when we're talking about spiritual gifts here, or even just being empowered by the Spirit, there's things that stir up in your heart that's just honestly uncomfortable. And so recognizing our differences and recognizing that God's bringing us together, I just ask you, don't don't retreat today. Don't retreat during this series. Don't pull back in your CG and not participate in this. Don't think, I can't wait to get out of this series so I can just go on with my life. I think God wants to take you deeper. Actually, Jesus, would you help us not retreat? Jesus, please let us press in with fresh eyes. Would you wake us up today about how much you love us and you want us to experience these gifts you've given us? Man, I I often get asked as, as a missions pastor, Why do we see God moving more internationally? And when somebody asks me that, I know there's a lot behind that question. That they're thinking God only moves in the nations or overseas. And I just want to talk and process this a little bit with you as we get into spiritual gifts. Honestly, the first time I witnessed somebody be miraculously healed was overseas. 
The first time I witnessed someone be delivered from a demon in front of me was overseas. The first time I witnessed someone hearing from the Lord, like audibly, and then sharing that with a group of people and it being true for people, that was overseas. But do you know what accompanied every single one of those moments that felt a little strange? It's like, what on earth is happening? This is not normal. It's not natural. It is supernatural. It was a proclamation of the gospel from the word of God. And it was simple and it was true. And every time I witnessed one of those things that was true and genuine and authentic, it was the word of God that was going out. And it was God revealing himself to people who otherwise would not have followed him. And so God was causing things to happen. And I have friends, actually I have a friend we're going to see in North Africa that came to Jesus because Jesus showed up to him in a dream. And that's happening all over the Muslim world right now where people are coming to know Jesus by God revealing himself to them because there's no witness, there's no missionaries there to even share with them. Um, I, I get to do some, some fun stuff as, as missions pastor as well, and, and one of those things that I have to recognize, I get to hear a lot more than the average person about what God is doing in the nations. And one of those things that's just fun to share with you is uh, two months ago, Tyler and I were in a mosque in Minneapolis, and you're like, what on earth are you doing in a mosque in Minneapolis? I had no idea how I got there, but it was awesome. Because the people I was with had been sharing the gospel with the imam or the leader, kind of pastor for us, of the mosque. They're actually holding Bible studies in mosques in Minneapolis. And so we were kind of mind blown, and then we're talking and processing with this group of people. And they were telling us that over 250,000 people in the last 20 years, have come to Christ just in Indonesia through their ministry. Sorry, that was like no response. 250,000 people have come to Jesus and will be in heaven one day. <laughs> Guys, this is so mind-boggling. And one of the reasons this is happening is because these people are not competing with their spiritual gifts with one another. They don't have the titles. They don't have the framework. They don't have the church buildings to think, what if we do this? What's the church on the street going to be like? They're not looking, hey, can I go to this church or that church? You know what, this church doesn't really fit my preference. I might go to this one over here. They're desperate for Jesus. And yes, they have issues. Yes, they're not perfect. But what if that happened here in, in Austin, Texas? Now, newsflash, guys, Austin is only 7 to 10% churched, Christian. And we're in the midst of a huge mission field that needs Jesus right, right here. And I got to say, following Jesus, walking with the Spirit of God, it is an adventure. Like, just, man, I'm just going to stop right there. There is so much that God wants to show you. He wants you to walk with him. So as we get into spiritual gifts, there's a few truths I want us to remember. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not a force, but God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not an it, but a person. And number three, the Holy Spirit is simply not strange. All believers have gifts, and we're going to look at that together. But also, we as believers should not minimize or maximize the gifts of the Spirit. What we do in that is we're either going to find pride, or we're going to find false humility, or we're going to actually judge other people and put them down by the grace that God has given them. And so we don't want to do that. One verse that kind of gives us some guardrails for that is Romans 12, 3. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think highly, more highly of himself, and you ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We gotta be honest with ourselves as we walk through this conversation. We gotta be humble. 
We've got to have sober judgment walking through this and processing the Spirit of God together. So the Holy Spirit, it's kind of our first big bullet point here. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit gives. Our God wants to give to you. He gives constantly. He gives of himself. He gives so much that he gives his son to you and to me. And so we have a God who gives. He gives life to us as believers. And if you're not in Christ, as you're listening to this, man, there is life for you that you can experience. He gives revelation and understanding of who he is through his word and through experiences. And he gives us purpose in our lives. He gives spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. And he empowers us to walk in the spirit. And so as we read 1 Corinthians 12, as Anne Anne read earlier, it starts with this in verse 1. This is Paul's heart. And it's also our heart as pastors and elders and leaders here at the well is this verse 1 here. And really one of the reasons we're doing this, this whole series. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. We as a body of believers need to be informed about the spirit of God. We need to be informed about our spiritual gifts. We need to learn that, hey, just showing up on Sunday and leaving is not what life is about, but that the spirit of God dwells in you. When we sing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, it's not that he's not here. It's that we need to wake up to the fact that he is here. And as we understand what God is doing in our midst, we're going to bless other people. We're going to edify, which really means instruct or build up the body around us. Verse 2, it says, You know that you were pagans, that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Paul is just calling out the Corinthians right here. He's like, hey, don't forget you were pagans. Y'all were wilding out. Y'all were crazy ratchet people, okay? You were pagans. Don't forget that. You were led astray to mute idols. Mute meaning they could not speak. They couldn't do anything. He said, you were led astray to that. Now, why are you confused when God is actually speaking truth to you? How many mute idols do you get led astray to? I mean, it could be as simple as a coffee addiction for me, okay? To, it could be, hey, this is my job. This is my career. This is my marriage. I want to be married. Whatever it is that is an idol, We're led away to it so quickly. And yet that is not what the Holy Spirit wants for us. In verse 2 and 3, we really see here, and to break this down, is that the Holy Spirit can't be against itself. And so somebody says they're being led by the Spirit of God, and they're wounding another person who says they're being led by the Spirit of God. One of them is not being led by the Spirit of God. And we've experienced that wounding even in our own body. But we see here that there's something beautiful and relational that's happening. And I want to camp out here in verses 4 through 6. It says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. This is good news for us. Every Christian has at least a spiritual gift. You have a gift. There is a gift for you under the tree. But there are a variety of gifts. And they're given out by God's discretion and not ours, praise God. And what we get to understand is that hopefully, as we walk through this today, we can celebrate the differences rather than judge the differences. Because there's opportunities for us to say, you know what, I see this gift in you and I bless you. And I want to celebrate what God is doing in you. And honestly, diversity in our gifts is one of the most unique things about the kingdom of God because it's from grace that's been given to us. 
Diversity is not just age or ethnic diversity here at the well. It is about our gifts being diverse as well. You bring a lot to the table. We need you here. And so it's not that we celebrate one gift over the other, but in different seasons, different times, there are different needs. And so we get to do that together. We come together to edify, to build up each other. And everybody who's on stage, from Anthony to used to playing drums, everybody is building us up. We're edifying each other by using our gifts. But we also see this beautiful picture of the Trinity show up in this passage here. You see there, he says that there is the Holy Spirit, or there's one Spirit, there's the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, and there's God representing the Father. And we see this to be a theme throughout the New Testament, that they're wanting to highlight this relationship. And I want to just encourage you here to dive deep in this, is that if we as the well celebrated just one piece of the Trinity, we would look a whole lot different as a church. If we only celebrated the Holy Spirit, we'd probably just have a bunch of worship. We wouldn't be preaching from the Word. There'd be crazy stuff. People would be falling out. And if you don't know what that means, that's okay. You don't need to know. But if we're only celebrating Jesus and we're not operating in the power of the Spirit and we're just thinking of him, we're going to look one way. And if we only think of the Father, we're going to look another way. But we need all three in perfect relationship here. This is actually a picture. God is a picture of how we should operate as a church. And so if you look at really Matthew 28 here as well, we see a piece of the Holy Spirit in the mission that he's called us to. And as I studied this this week, it hit fresh as I'm literally about to take my family, taking my 20-month-old and my wife overseas. I'm thinking, God, I pray and I'm asking you, are you worth it? Jesus, are you worth it? And he's saying, yes, I've already gone. Look at this. He says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in all the names, in the name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He goes on to tell us right there in verse 20 that he is with us. And in fact, it says it in John 6, 44, that the Holy Spirit's been with us, drawing us to himself, that the Holy Spirit's in us, dwelling in us. John 14, 17, the Holy Spirit comes upon us with power, and the Holy Spirit even controls us or fills us in Ephesians there. And in all of that, we get to celebrate that God is going before us, and that through relationship, we get to see that he's not competing with himself, but that he's displaying his glory to all people. And so we do not need to maximize or minimize other people's gifts. If you don't have the gift of hospitality, it doesn't mean you don't give somebody water when they walk into your house. (laughs) It doesn't mean you have to cook a five-course meal either. But we get to operate in the gifts together. I don't have the gift of worship. I love to worship. I don't have this gift. I don't have that gift. I do have gifts that I can use to build up others. For a church that's serious about mission, I mean, you just saw us, we're gonna plant 100 churches internationally and 100 churches nationally. Man, we have to depend on the power of God, amen? This is a God-sized vision. It's not about one person, praise God. And so I wanna ask you to to dive deep with me here the next few minutes and we'll spend some time camping out. And can we go to class together, is that okay? I wanna encourage you to actually discover your gifts because God's not holding out on you. And you might be here today thinking, I'm not good enough to be equipped by the spirit of the living God. You're right. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Who am I? That should be our attitude. All of us are not deserving of what Jesus has given us through his spirit. 
And so if you're discovering gifts, you're discovering things you could not earn on your own. And it is beautiful that Jesus laid down his life, even gave up his breath so that he would then speak through us. And so as we look at these gifts, I want to just encourage you, dive into your gifts and say, God, teach me about me and how you made me right now. Because you are worth knowing. I want to just encourage you here. You have natural abilities. Natural abilities. Uh, Tori a few weeks ago talked about how he taught his first grade class. If you weren't here, go back and listen to that. But he's not naturally a shepherd. We have natural things that we're good at. We have things that we can grow in. So we have skills. Skills can be developed and things we can grow in. And then we have passions. Things you're passionate about, don't ignore those. Those are good things that God's given you. I'm passionate about basketball. I'm passionate about hiking. I wish I was in better shape to do both of those, okay? (laughs) But here's a great quote from Eric Little, an Olympian and a missionary. He says this. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. What are those passions that you just come alive in? Or has life muted you so much that you don't feel like you can do anything that you enjoy anymore? God did not create this to be a boring, painful life. He wants you to enjoy his creation and enjoy him. What fuels you? What gets you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning? There's passions he's put in you. Don't ignore those as we go through this together. In addition to natural abilities, skills, and passions, and those are great. And actually, they're super important because they're part of your story. And if you don't know your story, we're learning how to read your story today. Because you've experienced pain and abuse and wounding that maybe somebody else in this room has experienced. Maybe you've experienced loss. And there's somebody else in this body that needs to be built up by hearing your testimony. That's why as Osagi was talking about sharing testimonies on Celebration Sunday, it's to build us up, to encourage us. We need each other. We're meant to do this in community. Additionally, every believer has been given spiritual gifts. First Peter 4.10. 4, Man, why was that so hard? It is our responsibility to steward those gifts. But first we must discover them. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. We need to know our gifts so we can fan them into flame to be used by God. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You have been uniquely and beautifully and intricately created by God. And he is asking you to discover how he made you. So if you're trying to create your purpose, create your calling, create your gifting, you're missing that God already created you. If you're striving and trying to create purpose for yourself, it is exhausting. As we look at the Old Testament, we see that the Lord actually said to Moses that he should pick out people who've been filled with his spirit. They had craftsmanship in in Exodus 31. You can look at that later if you want to. It says that he's put his skill in them through the spirit of God. Every single person in here has some talent, skills, abilities that we need to celebrate and not be jealous or judge in others. But we need to understand that our gifts, they're not for us. They're for the body. But if we don't know what our gifts are, how do we find that out? So I want to walk us through this really briefly, but... Uh, the first thing I see often in a lack of community is, is kind of one of the big deals is that if we're not in community, we really don't know how God's created us. We don't have other people speaking into how he's made us. 
And if we're not in community, we need to fight for community. And when we fight for community, it's sometimes painful because it's going to make us aware of things that we would not be aware of otherwise, right? So my favorite example is always American Idol. People singing that shouldn't be singing, okay? And I still go back to that. I know it's an old reference, but it makes me sad sometimes. It's like, did nobody tell you? Did you not know? Have you not heard? Okay. And so as you look, the first thing is a lack of awareness. We need to be aware. And there's really two primary distractions. And you can see this literally on American Idol, if you go back and watch it on YouTube, is this. It says, the expectations of others and the projection of self. We lack awareness because we're trying to meet other people's expectations. And we lack awareness because we're trying to project an image of ourselves that is not who God created us to be. I want to walk us through what's going to be a little bit of a chart for us today. But I want us to be aware of who God is and aware of our sin. And really, one of the ways to do this is you look at this chart here. There's low self-awareness and high God awareness. So that first one up there would be fatalism, okay? And so if you look at that up there, it's, it's really a legalist, somebody who's like a Pharisee. They're not very aware of their sin, but they're very aware of what God can do. And so this is a person, he's going to follow the rules all the time. God bless him, okay? You might find yourself somewhere on this chart. Just fair warning for everybody, okay? But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, this person might be saying, hey, that's not right. Don't do this. And they're probably muting what God is doing. Or they're saying, I want to grow in this, and I have a high God awareness, and I want God to grow my faith. And that's a good thing. But often the, the legalist is somebody that's just kind of like a little bit uptight. And we'll just hold on to that, okay? And you got low self-awareness and low God awareness. It's nihilism. I really call it just the YOLO person. <laughs> they got one life to live. They're trying to get all that they can. So a non-believer that's experiencing YOLO, that's maybe easy to see. That's somebody who's saying, hey, you know what? It's all about me. I'm going to have pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Get what I want all the time. But a believer who's doing this with the gifts might be saying, I need to experience every sign, miracle, and wonder, or God, you're not enough. I need to get my fill. You see how this can go both ways for us. And so they have a low God awareness, low awareness of the holiness of God, and a low awareness of their sin. And so they're expecting God to do things on their behalf that he hasn't said he's going to do. And then low God awareness and high self-awareness is really going to be narcissism. And they see this all throughout our world throughout Austin, throughout Twitter, throughout, well, yeah, Twitter for sure, um, throughout everything that you can think of on social media. Every politician, every leader experiences this in some way. And if you're not a leader, you, you've talked about this, you gossip about this, about another leader, okay? Our culture and our sin struggle as a people is so narcissistic. A low God awareness, a low understanding of who he is. And high self-awareness, we know a lot about ourselves. But what if we could go up to that top corner, that we'd have a high God awareness and a high self-awareness. A high self-awareness saying, I know how God's made me, how he's created me. And I know that I need others in my life because I get a lot of blind spots. But I also know, you know what? God has made me in such a way that I really love him. I love him. And I believe that he is who he says he is. Even though I'm so imperfect, I'm very aware of God coming down and building me up and empowering me with his spirit. I would call that co-creating. And I'm praying that that's where our church lands. I know we're all somewhere. You could put a dot on there. Don't do like a laser thing on there and mess up the screen. But we're somewhere on there, and that's where we want to land. 
The second thing, other than lack of awareness, is, is that we have a lack of imagination. And this is deep, and there's a whole class that goes with this called Repurpose. You can take that. We'll probably offer it next year. But we undervalue our experiences, and we fail to recognize them as an opportunity to grow. Positive experiences develop our confidence, while negative experiences deepen our convictions. And so as we look at this, I'm often asking people the question, what did you want to do when you grew up? What did you want to do when you grew up? And the most common answer I get is, man, life just came up. I just don't have time, yada, 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 yada. It's like, no, what did you want to do? Because that's a passion that God put in you. And there's no mistake that God made you the way he made you. He loves you and he wants to dwell in you and co-create in this world with you. Have you stopped imagining how God might use you? Because you're seeing your sin being bigger than who God is? Are you showing up here just to please a spouse? Are you showing up on a Sunday just to say, hey, I'm doing my little bit to manage my sin? Or have you stopped imagining how big God's grace is? When we have a lack of imagination, we do not see the glory of God because he wants to reveal himself to us as if we're children depending on him. The third thing is a lack of process. Without a process, we either are waiting for certainty or tiring of uncertainty. Man, that's a, that could go a lot of ways right there, right? We're waiting for uncertainty. That is a painful process that many of us in this room are exhausted with. We're waiting, God, would you show me who I am? Show me what my gifts are. I've tried this thing and that job and this relationship. I don't know who you made me to be. Would you just show me what my gifts are? And I want to ask you, don't retreat, don't punt, dive into your community group, process this with people. Don't do this alone. Don't stop pursuing asking God who he made you to be. We're going to look at a few lists of gifts here. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go through all of these. But the first one is called the motivational gifts. And if you look there, those are the ones in Romans. And really, you see, each one of those has an attitude connected with it. Not only has God given you a gift, but he wants you to operate in that gift in these ways. He wants you to do this with zeal and passion and joy. And so we want to operate as a family motivated by these gifts. You'll notice that we're not going through these lists like one by one saying, do you have this gift? Do you have that gift? We want to look at the one who's giving the gifts. The second one, though, is is the ministry gifts. And these are ones that... I'm afraid in the American church, we have thought ministry only happens up here on the stage. And we have forgotten the power of God dwelling inside every single person in this room. And that he's wanting to work through us. And so if you look at Ephesians 4, it says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And there's a whole test called APEST you can go through. It's a little acronym. But really quick, I want to walk through this. And some of you might find this funny. You might relate to a few of these. But hey, we'll see where we go here, okay? So the apostle is one who is sent out on a mission. They're they're kind of visionary-minded or leadership-minded. The prophet is one who hears and listens to God telling forth his revelation. It doesn't always have to be future. It could be truth-telling as well. And the evangelist is a bearer of good news. The shepherd... Is a pastor, one who's caring for, overseeing, and directing and cares for their flock. And the teacher is one who teaches and holds forth truth to others. Now, I'm going to give you a scenario rather than taking you through a 45-minute class here. Is that okay? 
All right, so imagine you're on 6th Street by Whole Foods and 24 Diner. Everybody know where that is? Everybody. That makes my heart so happy. Okay. So imagine you're getting some chicken and waffles at 24 Diner, and it's about 8.30 in the morning, okay? It's chaos right there at that intersection. For some reason, there's a one-way where God did not intend for there to be a one-way, okay? And so there's people driving like crazy, and let's say, uh, give me a name. You got a name? Bob. Bob. Poor Bob. Okay. Bob's riding his bike, he's riding down Lamar, and he gets hit. Oh, man, it's serious, right? Everybody's, oh, okay. So Bob is up there, and he's laying on his side, and he's got his bike, and he's bleeding and everything. And then we got these characters that come up, okay? And so if Bob is laying on his side, where do you think the shepherd is in that moment? Before Bob even fell, the shepherd was there to catch him, Okay. <laughs> The shepherd is there caring for him, loving on him. He's already got a bandage on him. He's telling him, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. He just repeats that. It's really weird for like 20 minutes, okay? And then you've got the evangelist. And the evangelist is sitting there and he's saying, you know what? Everybody that witnessed this, they need the gospel. So he's sharing the gospel with the EMT that's not even there yet. He's sharing the gospel with people at 24 Diner that witnessed it. He's sharing the gospel with people up on top of Whole Foods looking down, okay? He's saying, you know what? He could have died. Bob could have died. That could be you one day, okay? That's the evangelist. So you might relate to that as well. Or you have a spouse that's like that. Then you got the prophet. And the prophet's saying, guys, I saw this coming. Why didn't you listen to me? I knew this. Why didn't you listen to me? And then you got the teacher. They already have a classroom set up down the way. And they're, they're down at Zetejas over there. They're already having a whiteboard up. And they're telling people, hey, if we just change this light a little bit, logic would help the city of Austin then this would not happen again, and I'm going to teach you how to ride a bike. And they have a whole class, whole program, master class online. And then you have the apostle who is standing on top of Whole Foods, and then he's about to jump on a crane, look over the water, and say, that's where the next accident is going to happen. We need to go take charge there. If you know anybody that fit those descriptions, you are in the church of God. Amen? We are weird and funny people, and our God is not. We operate in our gifting in a very messy way. And we think that our gifting is our identity when God never said that was our identity. We think the ways he has wired us limits who we can be in him and how he can work through us. It's, that is just not true. He also gives the gifts of manifestation. So these are supernatural gifts. And we'll get into that next week and, and Tori will walk us through that some. But... I want to encourage you to look at these. If this has always been what spiritual gifts was to you, you might have missed out on how important being a parent is. You might have missed out on how important it is to walk in the spirit of God in your work or with your family. And so as we look at these, we can respect and honor one another and say God uses all of the gifts in these three categories to minister to his church and to accomplish his mission. Each gift is just as important as the others because of who they come from, not what they are. Your gifts are not for you, but they are for the body. Brother Yun is a a pastor and underground church leader in China and has seen tens of thousands of people come to Christ and has an amazing testimony if you want to look him up. But he says this after being persecuted and being an extremely gifted individual. He says this. He says, do not be satisfied with God's calling or his gifts in your life. Be satisfied with Jesus Christ himself. That is our prayer for us as a family. 
Romans 1.11 is Paul writing to the church and he says this, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. So as we close, I just want to remind you, our gifts are for others. They're for the strengthening of the body. They're for the edification of the church, really instruction and teaching and the building up of believers. To go back to our original passage in 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse is this in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We think all the way back to the garden with Cain and Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. It is for the common good. The common good of the church is the glory of God. That we would worship him together. That we would glorify his name. That every believer's gifts might be celebrated rather than judged. That those who feel inadequate in this room would know that they belong. That every single person in here would be able to use their gifts, not just in a building like this. And thank God that the well isn't just a place we come to. It's a gathering of people, of believers in Christ that we're sent from into a world to push back darkness together. We're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Do you know how many people it took to get a man on the moon through NASA? The Apollo program employed 400,000 people, required the support of 20,000 industrial firms and universities to put one man on the moon. We're a part of something much bigger than ourselves. We do this together. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Why did we lament today? And why did Tori share about what happened in Buffalo? Because we're a body. We do this together. And if one of us is hurting, we are hurting. We are a family. The other thing we do is, is we honor and we celebrate each other's gifts. And guys, this was one of the hardest parts of the sermon. One of the easiest parts of the sermon was picking out people to honor. We celebrate the gifts of others. I think of Linda Farah and how she prays and leads us and leads our prayer team. Like, praise God that she's using her gift in that way. I think of Austin in the back who's been doing sound. He does multiple church. Give it up for Austin back there. Y'all don't see him all the time? But give it up for Austin. I think of you here coming, as Osagi said, that your presence blesses others. That even as we're prayed off, guys, I was blessed by you today. You're praying over my family as we're taking a risk and going to the nations. You just simply reaching out your hand shows me that you're with me. I think of the Henrys, how they're leading in the corporate world and they're leading in church world. Give it up for the Henrys, one of our elder couples. I think of Kelly Montgomery. Kelly and Kendall do a ton of stuff around here. Yeah, give it up for Kelly. But he's operating in the gifts God's given him as he's at the daddy-daughter dance. How cool is that? And that's what our father wants with us. He gave his son so that we might get to be with him. Guys, let's call out the glory in one another. Let's call out the spirit of God in one another and help each other become aware of the gifts that he has given us. I, I love the picture of, of the bride and the church being the bride. I also love this picture of us being the body of Christ. 
See, in Genesis 2, 7, it says that the Lord God formed the man out of the dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. And in John 20.22, 20, it says that Jesus said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God is called Ruach. In Hebrew, it's, it's really like a wind is the connotation there for us. And for us to be filled with the Spirit and us to move and operate in the gifts God has given us, we need to recognize that we are a body. And a body does not fight itself. It does not wound itself. It is not against itself. Paul talks a lot in 1 Corinthians 12 about how the hand doesn't want to be the eye, and the eye doesn't want to be the foot, and all this kind of weird language that we didn't walk through today. But guys, that's what we do all the time. We compete with each other in the body of Christ, and that is not God's heart for us. But we need to recognize that when Jesus died and gave up his breath on the cross and breathed his last, he did that so that our body, not just you and me as individuals, but us as the body of Christ would be filled with his breath. That the Holy Spirit is alive in us. The spirit of the living God is keeping the church breathing. And he knows every time the church takes a breath because we are his body. And so when we talk about the common good, it's not just the well. It's not that there's a church persecuted overseas and a church in America that's not persecuted. We are the body filled with his spirit. And so as we pray and as we close our time together, I want to ask you to ask God to fill you fresh. That you be filled up recognizing that you're part of something so much bigger than you. And that as we pray, you would recognize that you have been given gifts by God to serve. And you would dive into that and not punt from the gifts of the Spirit because you might have had bad experiences in the past. Or maybe you have wounded others yourself. Would you repent of that and walk in the power of God? So would you pray with me as we ask God to breathe fresh on us? To breathe fresh on us. If you've been in church a long time, I want to ask you to ask God to wake you up and enchant you with the mystery of who he is again. Jesus, would you open our eyes to how your spirit is moving even right now? For those that think you don't move anymore and for those that think that you have forgotten who they are, would you display your love right now in this moment, God? For those that feel inadequate to walk with you, you remind them that you sent your son for them. Holy Spirit, remind us that you dwell in us. Would your spirit fill us fresh again as a body together, not against itself, but glorifying you. Holy Spirit, you are so generous to us giving us gifts we do not deserve. May we receive fresh fire from you today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. As we reflect in communion together and as you have